You're listening to The Gay Pro, where we empower gay business professionals from any industry to love who they are and love what they do. I'm your host, Omar Alexis Ochoa. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, and hello world. My name is Amar Alexis Choa, but you can call me Lex. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to just say thank you. It's been a journey putting this podcast together, and after a ton of procrastination and lazing around, it's finally up. This wouldn't have been possible without you tuning in and offering your support, so thank you so, so much. And as a bit of an extra special thank you, if I ran into you at 2019 San Francisco Gay Pride, thanks so much for following up and finding me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. I really, really hope you're loving those Gay Pro stickers. They're actually one of my favorite things I've put together for this podcast so far, and I think they're super cute. But let's just get into today's episode. Today, I want to talk to you about the gay wage gap. It's a sad but true fact that historically, gay men have made consistently less than their straight counterparts in the workplace. It actually fucking sucks. But there's a pretty unbelievable piece of research I dug up from the Harvard Business Review, written by an incredibly accomplished gay business thinker, Kit Carpenter. Contrary to decades of research on the subject, he states, gay men used to earn less than straight men, now they earn more. Sounds to me like the gays are finally taken over, huh? But let's think on this for just a couple seconds. When I initially read this, I, I found this in itself to be kind of hard to believe before I really sunk into the article. So I want to walk you through some of the background, the new research, and what Kit and even myself think could be causing this trend. So to start, who is Kit Carpenter? He's a professor of economics at Vanderbilt and currently serves as the director of the university's LGBT policy lab. Along with that, he's the co-founder of the American Economic Association's ad hoc LGBTQ economics working group. All of this adds up to a really impressive resume, so we can be assured that he's an incredible business leader and huge advocate for LGBT people. He's focused the majority of his work on identifying the economic differences for sexual minorities in the U.S., and has published several studies that intersect the LGBTQIA with economics alongside other researchers such as Samuel Pink. Now with all of that said, I want to touch on some updates regarding the gay landscape here in the U.S. A lot of this you might already know, but I think it's important to use some of these points as a way of illustrating the logic behind the conclusion Kit and other researchers have made on gay male earnings. Let's start with some statistics. The Pew Research Foundation, which is a nonpartisan fact tank that puts together statistics and research to help stimulate discussion here in the U.S. regarding policy, recently reported that 92% of all LGBTQ adults felt that society is more accepting of them than a decade ago. Now, I want to interject here for a little bit. As someone living in Los Angeles, having moved across the country just a couple of months ago, I can say that the U.S. is an utterly massive country, and so there are some pretty upsetting differences across state lines for LGBTQ people especially. Therefore, I would be really interested to hear from you. Do you feel like American society has become more accepting of LGBT people in your experience? For some of you, this may well be true, but for a lot of others, it really remains to be seen, so I would love to hear what you think. Moving forward, 
Pew also reported that 87% of adults reported personally knowing someone that is gay or lesbian, which is way, way up from 1993 when it was estimated to only be about 61%. We might be able to unpack this one a little more. Both of these statistics lend themselves to suggest that the U.S. really is warming up to the LGBTQIA community, and a huge part of that is the flat-out visibility of queer people. Ultimately, Statistics like these might only paint a positive picture and not actually describe your lived experiences. Consider that in the U.S., the federal government has yet to recognize LGBTQ persons as a protected class. I point this out because it's a pretty stark juxtaposition when you have reports claiming LGBTQ support is way up, gays are the best, but then you have our very own government refusing to take action on protecting these same people. There are several organizations, however, that are working actively to change this and secure federal non-discrimination protections for sexual orientation and gender identity, such as GLAD, the National LGBTQ Task Force, the HRC, and the ACLU. I'll make sure to drop some links in the description below so that you can show your support, but it's this juxtaposition that I think has pushed Carpenter to question whether or not these shifts in social acceptance have had any tangible economic effects. So here's what the current research has shown. Gay men earn 5-10% to less than their straight counterparts, even with similar education, similar years of experience, and similar job responsibilities. This is from decades of research conducted across varying time periods, as well as in different countries like the US, the United Kingdom, and Canada. The game changer is Carpenter's more recent research that highlights a 10% premium on LGBT wages, which is a complete turnaround. He published this alongside Samuel Pink in a report titled, Does It Get Better? Recent Estimates of Sexual Orientation and Earnings in the United States. So naturally, the first question I asked that you might be wondering is, what's the catch? How can we be sure this isn't just a fluke? Well, Carpenter and Pink have worked and reworked this data to eliminate the finding in hopes of uncovering some unknown error. But once they were unable to eliminate the result, it's instead led them to attempt at explaining the phenomenon, which is where I feel I might be able to chime in and would love to hear your thoughts as well. One explanation that Carpenter offers in his article is, it gets better. When you think about it correlatively, it's possible that the earnings penalty where gay men make less than straight men is a direct function of labor discrimination in the workplace. Therefore, with a society moving towards more acceptance and tolerance of LGBTQ people, as the stats from the Pew Research Foundation might lead you to believe, it would make sense to surmise that as acceptance increases, labor discrimination decreases. Some research supporting this theory includes field experiments cited by Carpenter from 2013 and 2010, both of which simulated gay and straight job candidates and failed to find meaningful differences in the capability for a gay or straight candidate to receive a callback. This is compared to an older study from 2005 which did find that gay candidates were substantially less likely to receive a callback when showing LGBT aspects on their resumes. I myself have a ton of LGBT-oriented leadership experiences and volunteer work listed on my own resume, so I would actually love to dig into this a little bit more. Between these two studies, we can draw a line from 2005 and 2013, where it seems labor discrimination has reduced. Meanwhile, several key milestones for LGBTQIA acceptance were hit in the United States. 
Each of these milestones might contribute to this change in results over time. For example, in August 2009, Harvey Milk was posthumously awarded the Medal of Freedom by President Obama. And in that same year, he signed into law the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. In 2010, the California Supreme Court ruled that limiting marriage to opposite-sex couples is unconstitutional, reversing the previously approved Proposition 8 that made it illegal in the state of California. Then, in September 2011, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed and was a huge win for our brothers and sisters in the military. Perhaps most notably, in June 2013, the Supreme Court ruled that legally married same-sex couples were entitled to federal benefits. So while the it-gets-better explanation may be able to rationalize the gradual erasure of a wage gap over time, with the coinciding LGBT milestones, it doesn't really explain the development of an earnings premium. Kit Carpenter, in his article, reasonably asks the question, did it really get that much better? Consider some companion studies on gay women which have not coincided with the same changes in male earnings. So let's talk about women. If the it-gets-better phenomenon really was a driver of this change for men, we would be seeing the same positive effects for women. However, while gay women already seem to earn more than heterosexual women, they don't seem to earn even more than before. A 2015 study conducted at the University of Washington by Marieka Clowiter, a professor of public policy, found that lesbian women had a 9% wage premium long before gay men began to show a premium. However, no recent research has shown a material change here, although this in itself could use a bit of explanation. For queer women especially, there is still the dimension of broader female discrimination in the workplace that may be in some ways magnifying the effects we are seeing on earnings failing to climb higher than before, in step with the it-gets-better idea. Another possible explanation that Carpenter suggests actually comes from a few related studies which have shown that gay women have a tendency to formalize their relationships at a higher rate than gay men. This means moving in together, getting married, adopting children. This was even before the recent legislation that has recognized gay marriages. Therefore, it's possible that we're observing a wage premium in the gay male population because of more gay male couples formalizing, getting married, adopting children, and everything else. For example, in a 2003 study published by Cornell University's ILR Review, researcher Gary Becker was cited arguing that LGBTQI plus male and female earnings differed on the basis of household specialization, wherein one partner worked while the other tended to the home. This makes sense with the earnings premium, as when a gay male couple formalizes, it's possible that the man earning a higher income stays in the workforce, while the man earning a lower income exits in order to take care of children and handle household duties. This is similar to the age-old straight family dynamic. This reduces the number of gay men in the sample pool overall, leaving behind only those with higher earnings, which skews into a premium. I would think that this explanation is a little less likely when you start to consider the prominence of the dual-income, no-kids phenomenon in the gay male world. A third possible explanation could be as simple as demographic shifts. It's a known trend that coastal urban cities often skew more liberally both socially and legislatively. With that said, the trope of small-town gay boys, California dreaming, might reign true. Perhaps LGBT people are moving to more liberal cities, which also happen to come with higher costs of living and therefore higher minimum wages. 
Consider a, a gay male earning $15 an hour in a larger, more expensive city at an entry level versus a straight male earning $8 an hour in a smaller, less expensive city. Lastly, it's possible that samples taking part in Carpenter's research are simply out and proud and therefore indicative of a particular personality type. By opting into a research study, I would say that this in itself selects out those respondents who are closeted or do not identify confidently as gay or even queer. Despite any potential for anonymity, this could present a barrier to obtaining a fully representative sample. This is because chances are a respondent confidently identifying as gay or otherwise queer is in a situation wherein he, she, or they can feel secure in that response, particularly financially and emotionally. A secure situation such as this generally lends itself to a higher income, whereas people in less financially stable situations might need to remain closeted for being made homeless, for example. Ultimately, there really is no good explanation for this gay male premium, but whatever it is, it may bode well for our community both socially as well as economically. Now, that isn't to say that the LGBTQIA group is in any way privileged or no longer in need of advocacy. In fact, quite the opposite. There is still a ton of work to be done abroad and even here in the United States, economically and in the workplace. It's for that reason I would love to hear from you. What do you think? Do you believe gay men truly earn more than straight men? Is this something you've experienced firsthand or perhaps the opposite? I'd love to hear your thoughts and experiences with this. But for now, that's that. Thank you so much for listening, and please make sure to tune in to more content from The Gay Pro. Again, my name is Omar Alexis Ochoa, but please call me Lex. Lastly, make sure to follow me on Twitter at TheGayProFM or on Facebook or Instagram at TheGayPro. Thank you so much.